Welcome to the Henel Sports Podcast with your hosts, Henry and Elliot. And today, guys, we have our special guest, Andrew, here. What's up, guys? Um, nothing much. We just can't wait to talk sports with you to our listeners. And our first topic today is Michigan State football. Michigan State football was really bad this week. Unexplainable. I don't know what to talk about here. Um, Let's keep it on the bright side. We were in Madison. Very cold. Well, it's cold in Michigan, too. But in Madison this week, and we didn't lose by 50. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yes, Elliot, but we did lose by 38. And uh, it was a horrible game for Michigan State, at least. Brian Lewerke could not get the offense going, and he would constantly underthrow or overthrow his uh, receivers, and it just was not a great game for him or the Michigan State offense. And we could not get the running game going at all with Elijah Collins, I believe, yes. And it was just a horrible game. And the defense could not contain Cone, the Wisconsin quarterback, and I think there's a lot of room for improvement at Penn State the next week we play. Yeah, and I would like to disagree about Lewerke. He had a he's been having a good season. He was the leader in passing yards up until this past week, which he still might be, but I'm pretty sure he's not. He's actually played very well for what people expected. Most people didn't expect us to get blown out this badly but they didn't also expect us to win i think um the next few games are very important we do have a bye week this week but i think penn state and whoever we play after that two very important games for d'antonio's tenure and i think this could be the end of the road if we don't make a bowl or struggle throughout the rest of the season um i just want to say this that we haven't been we haven't been playing as we expected because I think of our offensive line people think it could be good but Lewerke is great in the pocket he's great at escaping the pocket too just he's not he can't do it when they have D tackles and D linemen just rushing at him with all of their might and they can't he can't really do anything about that. Andrew, what do you have to say? Oh, yeah, and I just want to add that, Henry, I agree with you that Lewerke has been playing pretty well this season, but I think there's definitely room for improvement, and he for sure needs to be able to improve his accuracy. Let's transition to our next tap topic, Michigan State basketball. Henry, do you want to start us off? Yeah, um, yesterday, Tuesday, Michigan State did have a decommit in a four-star uh, Jalen Terry decommitted out of he he's a prospect from Michigan uh, somewhere in this kind of area. Uh, not much to talk about here. I think he's kind of decommitting because we did have a recent point guard commit in AJ Hoggard, but a lot of people are saying he still could recommit. He just wanted to reconsider his options and come back, maybe. And also about Jalen Terry, I think uh, part of his uh, decommitment was to the point of that he committed fairly early, and he committed actually back in April of 2019. 
So I think he wanted to reopen his commitment to see if other bigger schools would offer him and show interest in him, which he might take up their offer, like the Dukes and the Kansases and the Kentuckys. I think he might be interested in listening and visiting their schools also. But something interesting uh, with the decommitment of his, that Isaiah Jackson, the center who also uh, lives in Michigan and plays at Spire Academy, uh, he was actually projected to go to Michigan State. And recently he came out with his top three schools and Michigan State was not in there, which was to everyone's surprise, to the crystal ball of uh, 24-7 sports projected him to actually go to Michigan State. And uh, Jalen Terry and Isaiah Jackson both play AAU basketball together on The Family, and they have been friends for a while. So possibly the uh, the uh, Isaiah Jackson not wanting to uh, come to Michigan State could have affected Jalen Terry's, uh, Terry's decommitment. Quick note on Isaiah Jackson. He did transfer from Spire to play in Michigan for his senior year of high school. So he will be playing for... He will be playing against teams in Michigan rather than playing at a big academy and playing against teams all over the country. I want to go back to what Andrew said about Jalen Terry. I don't know much about commitments, but Jalen Terry... Um, you said he wanted to visit the bigger schools. I think Michigan State is one of those bigger schools because of Izzo and their Final Four appearance. Do you want to add on? Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. But uh, Michigan State normally has a history of not necessarily getting those big recruits, and they aren't necessarily in the spotlight all the time. But, yes, I agree they get recognized as a great school with a great coach, a Hall of Fame coach, in fact. And they will definitely be one of the best teams in the country, even without Jalen Terry. But I think he just wanted to see uh, how those schools would react to his decommitment and uh, how those teams and uh, those schools are just compared to Michigan State. As Henry said, he could always recommit to Michigan State. But I think he realized that he made his decision a little soon, a little too soon. And uh, he wanted to just make sure that those other schools... uh, weren't or if they are showing interest in him right now let's move on from commits and let's hear our 2019-2020 season prediction starting lineups for michigan state basketball and or what we would want to see from the starting lineup like who we'd want to see on it let's hear andrew all right so i see uh cassius winston obviously starting at point guard and then uh i believe aaron henry could start at shooting guard, or they could even put Rocket Watts in there. And then uh, Aaron Henry could also start at the small forward, I believe. And then uh, I believe Xavier Tillman will be starting at center. Yeah, and uh, what will be interesting is to see how the bench plays with Gabe Brown. We'll see how Marcus Bingham develops, and we will see how all the freshmen develop, who will be Julius Marble, the three-star recruit from Dallas, Texas. And then the four-star recruit in Malik Hall, also a power forward. And then Rocket Watts, which is the big recruit. He is also a four-star or or a five-star. It depends on the list you look in. And uh, 
he, he was from Spire Academy last year. He played with LaMelo Ball in a lot of big games in the spotlight. We'll see how he reacts to the big games of Michigan State as a freshman and see how he plays. I don't know if you forgot about Joshua Lankford. Oh, yes. My bad. My bad, Elliot. Yes, Joshua Lankford should be one of the better small forwards in the country. He is coming off an injury from last season, which held him out for almost all of the season, including all of March Madness. So do you have Aaron Henry at the two and Lankford at the three? Yes, I do. Or do you have Lankford at the two, Henry at the three, I or would... Henry coming off the bench and Rocket Watch starting? I don't know. No, I, w- I would have uh, Aaron Henry at the two and Joshua Lankford at the three, and then possibly Malik Hall starting at the four while Tillman starts at the five. And of course, uh, Cassius Winston, who will be starting at point guard, who should be one of the best, if not the best, college basketball players this season. Um, I also think Cassius Winston will start at point guard. I think it will be Cassius Winston at the shooting guard. I believe it will be. I believe it will be the freshman. Forgot his name. Malik Hall. No. Julius Marble. No. Rocket Watts. Rocket, Rocket Watts. Watts. You got it. Rocket Watts. I think he will start at the two. I think Joshua Lankford will start at the three. And surprising, I think Aaron Henry will start at the four because of his defensive ability to guard, I think, any position besides the five. I think Aaron Henry can space the floor unlike other power forwards in the college basketball league. And I just think he is a perfect fit there because he's lengthy at 6'7", and he can spread the floor unlike other small fo- power forwards which I think will be unguardable. And he could leave this year and possibly be a first-round pick. And Tillman, do we think he will be a pick? Uh, I believe Tillman will get drafted, but I do think he will stay one more year and uh, stay for his senior year. Keep in mind, this year he is a junior. I believe he'll stay for his senior year and then come out as a senior into the NBA draft. And I believe he will be a mid-second round draft pick, possibly a little later, possibly a little earlier, but definitely in the second round, I think. I think he will go out this year because of he's having a second kid. He is having a second kid. And so kid. I think he needs to make money. And I think he could go out in the draft as a power forward because he's only 6'9", and maybe can develop a three-point shot or a mid-range shot even which would be huge for our Michigan State Spartans. Henry, what do you want to say? Um, for my starting lineup project- projections or and or predictions, I obviously think Winston will start at the one. Um, I do think Langford will start at the two because he is shorter and smaller, same thing, than Aaron Henry. He is 6'5", and Aaron Henry is 6'6", 6'7", however you look at it. Um, I think he just plays better as more of a shot taker than small forward which is more of a playmaker like guy that has the ball more win or uh, Langford's more of a knockdown shooter mid-range guy Aaron Henning was uh, in my opinion start at the three because he's lengthy can guard multiple positions obviously and just he should be a better playmaker than Langford and be able to do more with the ball in his hands. At the four, I do have Thomas Kithier and or Marcus Bingham starting at the four because Thomas Kithier is a guy that's very scrappy and is there to get rebounds. And with all the scoring we already have, we don't need another scorer like Rocket Watts somehow starting at the two. 
or Malik Hall starting at the four. And also for Marcus Bingham, adding size because we are very undersized with the four guys that possibly are starting. And he also provides more shooting. But he does need to gain a little weight. He did get sick and is only at 220 pounds right now. And a lot of people are saying they want him to get all the way up to 240 by the time the season starts. Andrew? Yes, and uh, it was very concerning last year for Marcus Bingham Jr., who was held out most of the year and had limited playing time because of his weight. He was not strong enough and he was not big enough in weight-wise and to compete at the college level. But I believe that he will be back and better than ever this year. He is a pretty good shot. He kind of reminds me of Jaron Jackson Jr. almost. And uh, he he's a stretch five. I think he's about 6'11". And uh, he's a very good player. And you mentioned Thomas Kithier. And I believe his uh, high school teammate and Mr. Basketball Award in the state of Michigan winner Foster lawyers should be big off the bench, and he should provide great points as a possible backup option for Cassius Winston. Now moving on to our next topic of college football. Um, starting with Georgia's shocking loss. The biggest headline. Ho- home against South Carolina. No one really saw this coming. South Carolina did lose their starting quarterback earlier in the year and lost their second-string quarterback in this game. Their third-string quarterback was... He didn't really do much, but the defense really shut down Georgia. Jake Fromm and that DeAndre Swift-led offense. And um, their kicker, a lot of people are saying he should have gotten a chance at the end of regulation because a lot of people think he's the best kicker in college football. And he should have gotten a chance with a 60-yard field goal, which is a lot of distance for a college kicker. But there's really not much risk there unless it's a block kick and Georgia should have won that game play terrible don't deserve to win that could take them out of playoff contention yes and uh Georgia did have their chance to win this game and they did not capitalize so in overtime the South Carolina kicker did miss his field goal and Georgia got the ball back and did not score so they definitely had a chance to win this game, so I believe it, it was they just did not capitalize. And now on to LSU, beating Florida. And I believe this was a great game and approved a lot for LSU, showing that they can contend with the best in the nation. Joe Burrow, the quarterback for LSU, showed that he could be a possible Heisman candidate. He showed that he was very capable of hitting his receivers on the deep ball, and he just showed that him and his team can be anyone in the nation. I want to go back to Georgia really quick. How you said you think they should have gave the try to the kicker. I think I know why. Because their head coach was actually on the staff of the Alabama-Auburn game. Where it was the, the Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl where they kicked it and... They Chris Davis, Chris it. Davis right. returned it 107 yards, I believe, well, uh, the story. to to win the game. And, and I think he was actually kind of worried about that, especially. I don't know. I heard the announcer say it. So. Yeah, he was on the defensive. Uh, I believe he was the, the defensive, defensive coordinator, coordinator for Alabama during that game. He might have been a little scarred to attempt that field goal for a possible return for South Carolina. And let's move on to Alabama. 
Um, Alabama rolls again. You all, you all know. Roll Tide. <laughs> roll Tide. That's what they say. Um, to uh, another big week, five touchdowns. Threw his first pick of the year, but do we really care about that? He's quietly leading the nation at the FBS in passing touchdowns and is quietly the number one number one to three. You could rank him any way you want. Hurts, Burrow, Tagovailoa. Don't as, forget about Justin Fields, Henry. Yes, you could definitely put them, him, Taylor, all as any way you want for top five um, Heisman because they've all none of them have played each other. The yes. only way they can really beat each other out is when there's only two matchups between these teams. Alabama will play LSU as a home game for Alabama on November 9th, and Ohio State will host just, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Wisconsin on October 26th. Now on to Clemson. Clemson played really well this week, beat Florida State. I think it was 42 to seven, and. They look really good once again, and they look like the team a lot of people thought they were before the season. Trevor Lawrence is now really out of Heisman contention, but at this point, they're, it's, they're just looking for a championship. Uh, yes, Henry, and Clemson is looking very well, but here's the thing. They are not getting great recognition, and they're kind of getting hated on a little because of their weak schedule. So Clemson has not played very good teams, and of course they've been, for the majority of the season, blowing them out, but that does not show much for which they are playing pretty bad teams. Let's dive deeper into the Big Ten, and let's actually talk about, it looks better than it actually is. Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, all showing very great performances. Ah. Michigan, not so much. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Michigan, they they are doing pretty well, and I think part of the reason is they haven't really played any of those top-tier Big Ten teams, but that will be uh, soon to come with them going to be play Ohio State, Michigan State, and this week, actually, Penn State during the whiteout. That will be the big test to see if Michigan can hang around in the Big Ten. Wisconsin obviously looks really good. Um, beat Michigan State 38-0. to We already talked about that. Um, the one thing is, I feel like if they do get behind in games, they're going to struggle to come back because they're not used to throwing the ball a lot, and Jack Cohn is an inexperienced quarterback throwing the ball because he's so used to handing the ball off to Taylor a lot. And also another Big Ten team that's starting to roll is Minnesota, undefeated. First time ranked this year. I think they're at number... 20, Somewhere around 20. 20, 18, 19, depending on how you look. Um, they look really good. Their offense is really good. I'm not sure how, how good their defense is, but if they, I think, I'm not sure if the game is home against Wisconsin this year, but if Wisconsin's a one-loss team and Minnesota has no losses, that could be a big game. Yes, and uh, I was telling Henry, Minnesota, are they are sly dogs. And what I mean by that, they are going under the radar as an undefeated team. And keep in mind, they've been playing solid teams. Recently, this week, they just beat Maryland, who at the beginning of the season showed they've been a pretty solid uh, team. And uh, so here's the thing. Minnesota, they, they are just... A very good team, and I believe that uh, 
they they can go pretty far in the Big Ten. Obviously, I think Wisconsin will beat them, but Minnesota starting out six and zero. That is very impressive. Their defense is looking great. They haven't been giving up too many points, and they've been scoring a lot. I think Minnesota could finish the season ranked in the top twenty-five. Um, we know. Let's just talk about Michigan State for a second. I just want to tell you something that you guys might have not known. Connor Cook, my favorite quarterback, number two pick in the XFL. Uh, Represent by the Houston Rawnecks, and that yeah. just. Not the main league, but still number two. Not a lot of people can say you are the number two pick in a draft, besides Alvin Kamara from most fantasy leagues. But <laughs> that's okay. Let's move on to our AP top twenty-five entries of this week. So first, Minnesota. We already talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we already the covered Minnesota. Missouri, Brady. Appalachian State, Washington are the other entries. None of that big. Washington's been in and out. Appalachian State was ranked last year. They almost beat Penn State last year. Very solid um, non-Power 5 team. Could possibly, if they go undefeated, vie for a... You could say the Power... Or the New Year 6... No. No. game for but i mean they're ranked at this point so you don't know but we'll see all right and uh i just want to cover missouri for the, for a little bit losing drew lock to the nfl this year and uh currently drew lock isn't really playing for the broncos but losing that good of a quarterback and still showing that you are a good team and a capable team especially showing this being in the top 25 through a couple weeks in college football. This just shows they are a capable team of winning big games. Um, Now let's head into more college basketball. Talk about some top 50 recruiting news. Um, Scotty Barnes did commit to Florida State yesterday. He's a five-star top 10 recruit. And a lot of people thought he was going to go to Oregon or even Kentucky, but he did commit to Florida State. Leonard Hamilton snagging one. No one really thought that he would get. Um, Isaiah Todd is committing Thursday. Hopefully, I think I can speak for all of us, he does go to Kansas or commits to go to <laughs> yes. overseas. But in all likelihood, a lot of people are saying he's going to go to Michigan, which I would like to see because um, comp- more competition for State and, you know, Yes, Henry, and as you said, and I just want to throw this out there, that it has been reported that Isaiah Todd is still considering going overseas and playing professional for a year before he transitions to the NBA. But also on 24-7 sports, it shows that Isaiah Todd is kind of a little 50-50 between Michigan and Kansas, but I think right now it's kind of swaying a little more towards Michigan for his uh, commitment. Let's go to MLB, shall we? Real quick, let's talk about a few more recruits. Evan Daniels, the lead recruiter, I think he is 42 out of 42 for this year for recruits. He did predict yesterday that Cade Cunningham, a top, I think he's the number two recruit, number one recruit on some sites, and a lot of mock drafts they have him going number one overall. In the 2021 draft. Yes, he was predicted to go to Kentucky. By Evan Daniels. A lot of people were saying he was going to go to Oklahoma State. And because his brother did get hired there. 
There's no guarantees he's going to go to Kentucky. Not everybody gets every pick right, but we'll have to see. All right. And uh, so, uh, Cade Cunningham, I believe that he will go to Kentucky. I think the big program, it's meant for him. And I think that he will thrive under uh, Coach Calipari's uh, system and that that is where he is meant to be. Let's talk about a few more uh, top 10 recruits that are uncommitted. Jalen Green, a lot of people think he's between, at this point, either Oregon, Memphis, or Auburn. In my opinion, he's going to go to Auburn. Zaire Williams, a lot of people are saying it's down to Stanford and North Carolina. Do you think North Carolina comes out with him because it's North Carolina and they're going to pay him a lot of money (laughs) instead of Stanford, which doesn't have the money to pay him, except if it was football. McCurr Maker, don't know much about him. He could, I think he may have said he was going to go play overseas, but don't quote me on that. It's actually McCurr. Greg Brown, 100% to Texas. I don't know much about that. I'm going to say Texas. And Jalen Suggs. I've heard a lot of stuff about him going to Gonzaga, which would be new because a lot of there hasn't been a lot of top 10 recruits going to Gonzaga. And the interesting thing about Jalen Suggs, he is an incredible basketball player. But not only that, he is also, I believe, a five-star football player. And that is great. So keep in mind... For the uh, teams he is still uh, interacting with in his uh, recruitment, I believe that a team that also has a pretty good and stellar football program might land him because of his uh, football abilities. So keep in mind, he he, be- he wants to play football and basketball D1 in college. I could actually see Nate Oates in Alabama slide up in there and try and get him. Speaking of <laughs> Alabama, they... Um, ha- need to take a few recruits away from Michigan near Marnie Burnett, and I think also Moses Moody is another Michigan prospect. Let's talk about um, the MLB. So, Braves, or actually, no, um, the Cardinals have looked really bad in this NLCS. They've been dominated by this Nationals pitching. It's 3-0 right now, and there's actually the game going on right now, and I think the score is also 3-0. 5-0 for the Nationals, and I do think the Nationals win tonight and win the series and go to the World Series. A lot of people, actually, this is their first series win since they were the Expos. And on to the uh, Astros and the Yankees series. Can we stay here? Interrupting. Who doesn't want to see a uh, Max Scherzer-Justin Verlander Game 7 in the World Series? That would be crazy. And the Astros Dating back to... When did they play on the Detroit Tigers? Yes, guys, I know nothing about baseball. I just know that they played on the Detroit Tigers, and them and David Price were good trio. Now none of them are with us. Andrew? And yet the Tigers still didn't win the World Series. <laughs> um, on to the Astros and Yankees series. Astros are up 2-1 to one in this series. Um, turned around that series after they lost in the first game and Carlos Correa had a big walk-off home run in game two and they were able to come away with a 4-1 victory today. And I just want to go back to the Nationals. Man, they are looking great. So you have the stellar pitching of a combination of Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and in this series, Annabelle Sanchez turned out to be very good. And then, uh, 
Patrick Corbin, yes. He is is very good. And just part of that combination, it's just unbelievable. And uh, not only that, they have the combination uh, for their hitting. Juan Soto, incredible young guy. And then they have Anthony Rendon, possible MVP candidate with the way he's been playing this year. And uh, Trey Turner, I believe. He is playing very well lately. And Bryce Harper is sitting on his couch watching this all go down as the Nationals most likely will head to the World Series. Update here. Nationals are now in the lead. 7-0. to As this is kind of what happened in Game 5 of the Cardinals-Braves game. It's 7-0 to with two outs in the first inning and i think this game's already over yes i would i would agree with that so i do think the nationals are going to the world series maybe for the first time ever and this is huge for their um franchise organization and i don't know how they did it losing bryce harper was something a lot of people expected he hasn't been very good but i do think that's very, very good for them. Let's move on to the NFL, shall we? Yes. Um, first, update. I don't know if you guys... Well, you guys saw this. Jalen Ramsey traded to the Rams for t- two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick. And that would... I think that is why they traded Marcus Peters yes, to I, the Ravens. I would agree with that, Elliot. And I think... That Marcus Peters, with the big ego he has, he wouldn't be too fond of having Jalen Ramsey, another guy with a big ego, coming in and then fighting for the uh, number one cornerback spot. Spot. I, do, I don't think that would be good for the team. A lot of drama. I think they probably had the deal worked out with, uh, with Jacksonville sending Ramsey over, and I think that they were thinking that we got to get Peters out of here. I don't think that's going to work. So I think they worked the deal out with the Ravens, ended up being really good for them. And I think that uh, the Rams will definitely um, improve this season and possible playoff hopes now with their defense improving. Having now Aaron Donald at the D-line, arguably the best D-lineman in the league. And then Jalen Ramsey, arguably the best cornerback in the league. So that secondary just got a whole lot better with the addition of Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. Um, and the Ravens really needed, really needed Marcus Peters because Eric Weddle did leave in the offseason. I think their secondary looked really hurt against the Browns and the Bengals. And the Steelers are allowing Devlin Hodges... To somehow march down and force overtime in that game, which Ravens played the Cardinals and the and the Dolphins the first game and they blew them out. We thought they were oh my god they're so good they're the shit and then yeah. A lot of topics here. We're gonna quickly go through them. Um, Lions did look really good, and but they did get screwed by the refs. 49ers, I'll let you guys talk at the end if you have any things to say. But 49ers um, look very good. The Rams are looking in very much trouble. Big thing here, Chiefs did lose two in a row. Jets could be very, very dangerous with Darnold back. Not sure if they're a playoff team, but 
get into that later. Saints are undefeated without Breeze, and Breeze could be coming back in the near future. Seahawks look like top three team in the NFL. Wilson and McCaffrey right now look like the headlines for MVP. Mahomes always in the mix. Big question here, you could say at the end, Kyle Allen or Cam Newton. Chargers definitely folding at the end here. Devlin Hodges is um, actually kind of good. Browns can't finish games at all. And in my opinion, Miami is the real winner of the tank bowl as they lost and are going to get the number one overall pick, in my opinion. And the Cardinals are starting to get rolling with that air raid offense. And Bryant did choke in that game. And Dan Quinn, in my opinion, should be out after the season. All right, Henry, I want to touch on the Lions. What an atrocious uh, event that happened with the refs. I believe that uh, the NFL has a major problem in their hands. And uh, this is definitely a problem that has to be fixed immediately. When you think about it, the Lions, if they won that game, they could have had the chance or they would have been in first place in the NFC North. But now that they lost it, they fell all the way back to last place in the NFC North. That is a huge deal breaker in possible uh, playoff situations involving the Lions. And uh, I think that it just was a killer for the Lions, which they would have had a chance to come down for a game-winning drive and kick the field goal to win the game, expecting that Mason Crosby would have hit a field goal to put them ahead by one with about a minute and a half to go. So I think that the NFL isn't doing anything about the situation with the refs. I think that they are delaying this. And the statement that they came out with saying that it was the wrong call, I believe that is not enough. I mean, you have millions of fans who are pissed about this call, which could have had... Uh, Lions would be in first place right now if it weren't for those calls. Yes, and I think it was just atrocious. And I think the NFL has to do something about it now and not next year, not two years now, because this is just getting out of out of the hand. I mean, it's just horrible. Um, going to the Trey Flowers, two of them, um, illegal hands to the face on Trey Flowers, number 90, middle linebacker for the Detroit Lions. And... I was listening to 91, the ticket, 97 won the ticket. He has never been called for that penalty, and he got two in a span of probably 10 minutes. Not 10 minutes, probably five. Five, Ten, whatever yeah, it is. Five plays. Yeah, um, it's just Whatever it is. And both of them, not just trying to be biased or anything, they were right on the shoulder pad. Yes. Neck does count as head, but the shoulder pad is not... And, Andrew, would you like to add and on? And I believe that it was David Bakhtiari who sold this call by whipping his head back. But really, I think it was just the strength of Trey Flowers <laughs> pushing him back with his hand on his shoulder pad. And it's just an unfortunate situation for the Lions. But moving on to Kyle Allen or Cam Newton, I want to hear your guys' uh, opinions on that once Cam Newton is healthy. Let I Kyle think. Allen keep rolling. Yep. Le- yeah, as he said, Kyle Allen's been the show here. Cam Newton looked really bad, and 
Kyle Allen should stay in until he gets hurt or Panthers start losing again. And I would have to agree with you guys. I mean, you know the saying, if it ain't broke, don't Don't fix it. it. And Kyle Allen is undefeated as the Panthers starter. He's on a roll. He's on fire. Christian McCaffrey looking good. Panthers offense looking good under Kyle Allen and Ron Rivera. I think that you just got to keep going with Kyle Allen, the magic man. So now we're going to give our week six, end of week six playoff predictions, and I'm going to go first here. For the NFC, I do have the Packers as the number one seed, the Seahawks as the number two seed, Saints as the number three, Eagles as the number four, Vikings as the number five, and the Niners as number six. Sadly, no Lions here. I don't think they have the good enough schedule where they can or like bad enough schedule where they won't lose at least six or seven games um in the AFC I do have the Pats obviously in my opinion as the number one seed KC bouncing back and becoming the number two seed and I do have them playing the Pats once again in the um AFC championship Ravens is number three Colts is number four beating out the Texans for that spot. Texans is number five, and the Browns as the number six. And uh, moving on to my playoff predictions, I have, uh, for the NFC, I have Seattle as the number one seed, and then I got the number two seed, the Saints, and let me touch on them. I believe that Teddy Bridgewater can hold down the fort while Drew Brees is injured. He's obviously shown that so far. Teddy Bridgewater, undefeated. I think the Saints offense is just uh, just very overpowered with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara leading the offense and with Teddy Bridgewater stepping up as Drew Brees is out. And once Drew Brees is back, I think they're going to be back to last season's form and possibly uh, have another Super Bowl chance with last year, unfortunately, going down in the NFC Championship, the horrible uh, non-pass interference call by... The refs, of course. <laughs> and uh, moving on to my number three seed, I have Green Bay. I have them winning the NFC North. Just I think that win against the Lions really helped out. I believe they're 3-0 and right now in the NFC North, beating all three other NFC North teams. They just seem the best team in that division. And then I do have Dallas winning their division. And I know a lot of people would uh, think about the Eagles and how they've been doing pretty good as well as Dallas, but I think Dallas is just a better team right now. And uh, for my wild card teams, I have San Fran at number five, and then uh, as my number six, I have the Bears. And for my AFC playoff predictions, I have New England at number one. They're looking really good right now, undefeated. Then I have Kansas City at number two. They seem like just Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill coming back healthy. Uh, they just seem like a very good team. I think they'll be back to last year's form and finish number two in the AFC. Then I do have Baltimore at number three. I believe Lamar Jackson can carry them to a very good season and winning their division. I have Houston at number four. And then for my wildcard teams, I have Buffalo at number five. They have a very weak schedule, and I think they can capitalize on that. Josh Allen coming back healthy, and I think they will be very good and finish strong for the rest of the season. And then at number six, I have Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts. 
Jacoby Brissett filling in for Andrew Luck, who recently retired before the season. And I think Brissett has looked solid. And we were we all we all were discussing and we were talking about Quentin Nelson. Just an incredible player. Uh, he's a second year player out of Notre Dame. He's just a beast. He is capitalizing on every block. He's just a great player. And I believe that Jacoby Brissett, Quentin Nelson, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack can lead that squad to a playoff appearance. Um, so my playoff prediction for the NFC, Seattle will top the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West to get that number one spot. The Packers will win the NFC North, in my opinion, but they, let me talk about this really quick. In the NFC North, the Packers, nor the Bears, nor the Vikings have played the Chargers or the Chiefs, and we know the Chargers have looked very disappointing, but we all know the Chargers started, what, 0-4 last year? 0-4 last year, still made the playoffs at an 11-5 record, and... I think they are just got off to a rough start. I think they could possibly make the wild card. Not on my list, but I think they are a playoff team. But, okay. My third seed, I have the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater filling in for Breeze. The Eagles, I have, that's the four seed, winning the dogfight against the Cowboys for that. And then... Fifth seed, I have the San Francisco 49ers. I think we'll have an extremely good record, maybe a 12 and 4 wild card team. Just I think the Seattle Seattle will beat them out at like 13 and 3 maybe. The Lions, a little bit biased. Sixth seed, I think they are gonna make the playoffs and yeah. Um, AFC, I have the Patriots number one week schedule. Kansas City after being really shaky. I have them number two. Third seed, I have the Texans winning that division. And as you think the Colts, I do not think that they will make the playoffs this year. The fourth seed, I have the Baltimore Ravens. That division is not good. The AFC North, I don't think the Ravens are any good this year. And as my wild card, I have Bills. I actually think they will have an 11-5 to 12-4 record. Do you guys agree? Yeah. As a wild card being the fifth seed, and the Raiders as the sixth seed. I think Derek Carr without Antonio Brown. Tyrell Williams has stepped up, and I've actually been trying to get him in fantasy. But anyways, let's move on to our questions. Um, we really already at, answered to um, at AK3421.99 on Instagram. We asked already kind of answered where do we think the Lions will finish and also at s nemeth underscore 31 we he also asked how do you think the Lions will or the NFL will prevent future bad calls that happened in the Lions Packers game we already answered that and let's get into our last question asked by at a michaels zero he asked what are the your bet the best young teams in the NFL right now and I'm gonna get, give what one by one what we all think and then we can all elaborate after that we do have the browns with baker mayfield nick chubb cardinals that air raid offense and kyler murray giants daniel jones saquon barkley the defense needs to get better but that's why young upcoming teams is the name here and 
Bills um, with, with with Josh Allen and Definitely. Jets with Sam Darnold. Yes, and keep in mind, the Jets also have Le'Veon Bell. They signed him to a contract. He will be in there for the next couple years, and he is just an incredible football player, and I believe that the Jets have a great chance of being a really good up-and-coming team with Sam Darnold, just a very good football player. Coming out of USC, he was he was very good there. Proved that in the Rose Bowl against Penn State where he threw for six touchdowns, I think. And he's just a, he's just a very capable player and just very good. And yeah, I think that the Jets have the best chance at all of those to be the next best up-and-coming team. We want to thank you guys so much for watching our third episode. And thank you, Andrew, for coming on the pod. Hopefully you had a good time. Yeah, I did, definitely. This is this was a great experience and a great podcast, of course. Hopefully you can be back sometime soon. Uh, we will once again want to thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next time on the NL Sports Podcast. Thank you.